just made the list. Why are you the way that you are? Honestly, every time I try to do something fun or exciting, you make it not that way. I hate so much about the things that you choose to be. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 It's over. We are screwed. This is the worst. Yeah, it's pretty much back to being the worst. Uh, Browns lose today. Lost their last three. Finished six and ten on the year. Looks like they're gonna fire another coach. Uh, for, I, I thought Steve was crazy a couple weeks ago for saying that they might blow it all up again. But there was reports uh, yesterday saying that. Not even John Dorsey's safe. I don't buy that for a second. But, uh, yeah, <clears throat> we are back in the factory of sadness mode. Steve, welcome. I would ask you, how's it going? Like I have been, but I'm not going to be stupid enough to do that again. Uh, what are you feeling right now? It has been an utterly awful football weekend throughout not just Cleveland, but most of the state of Ohio. Um, I feel like most of the folks in Columbus and elsewhere are still reeling from last night's uh, CFP semifinal game where the referees just basically jacked up that game and screwed Ohio State terribly. And now we have to deal with this today where the Browns go to Cincinnati and look unmotivated and they just, yeah, I don't know if they even cared, to be honest, yeah. um, you know, aside from a few guys. Yeah. So I guess that's not to be... <laughs> unexpected it's human nature to some degree but yeah you'd hope that the Browns would have been more professional about this game and they weren't yeah so um a, a lot of the uh Nat, by, by the way w welcome into the uh Browns po final edition of the final 2019 edition of the Browns post game show brought to you by uh LOTL I'm Dan alongside with Steven as you just heard um welcome uh it, it's it's interesting when you hear the uh, reports that come out. To me, essentially, with these re with these reports that came out about, you know, a few weeks ago, right before the Arizona game, that the Browns were looking to keep Freddie Kitchens, barring a horrific collapse. There was that, and um, and then even today, there were reports that said that well, uh, they're kind of torn, and it really is up to. Uh, what happens in today's game? It's it's almost like to me like the Browns ownership and management team was trying to figure out a way to keep Freddie Kitchens by with with these reports that came out because no organization in their right mind would make a uh, a decision to keep a guy based on a meaningless Week 17 game against the worst team in football. If the Browns would have won today. And it came out that that's the reason why that they kept Freddie Kitchens. I, I it would be hard pressed for me to watch this team again. That would be just uh, the the utmost of idiocy if if that were their basis. Because <coughs> uh, again, you look across not just this game but the whole league. Week seventeen is wonky. You know, some teams are playing for a lot. Some teams are playing yep. for nothing. The Browns and the Bengals are not playing for anything today. Right. So to to base a, a long term coaching decision based off of a, a meaningless week seventeen game, yeah, it's like you said, it's ridiculous. Yeah, so I, I think I think that the Browns, 
they desperately wanted things to turn around this last quarter of the season. And they, these reports came out, I think, uh, furthers that claim. But here's the thing. Freddie Kitchens has made their decision for them by going into Arizona, getting throttled by the Cardinals, who had lost six in a row, or 3-9-1, and one, when you still had not great but decent playoff chances. Uh, then, you know, okay, I'm not going to fault them for losing to Baltimore, but as we talked about, and last week you finally jumped on the Fire Freddy bandwagon with some of the decisions in that game. He didn't really help himself in that game. And then turn around and you lose to the 1-14 and Bengals. It's honestly the worst that we can. And, Dan, you saw this coming. You said three two weeks ago when we were talking about the Arizona game, you, you had speculated you know, maybe they'll lose to the Ravens, maybe they'll lose to the Bengals and finish 6-10. and 10. It played out exactly as you had said. Yeah, I, that that Arizona loss was just crippling, crushing. It was uh, any sort of bad uh, adjective you could use to describe it. Uh, it 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 was that. So it was just really bad. Um, we are on red alert. We are on code red alert right now. We are monitoring social media as we do the show. Uh, if anything leaks about Freddie Kitchens, well, by the time we post this, you'll know about it. But uh, we'll be here to talk about it uh, as it happens in real time here. I, I'll i just say this right now. Uh, if you look over this last six-game stretch after the, the Miles Garrett helmet swing incident, the Browns' defense got worse and worse with every seeming week. Um, 38 points allowed to Arizona, 31 allowed to the Ravens, 33 allowed to the worst team in the league today. Terrible. In Cincinnati. Just absolutely inexcusable, the, the effort that they've put in the last three weeks. And... You know, a few weeks ago, the the talk was, well, could the Browns afford to give Miles Garrett a big new contract? I don't see how they cannot afford to do it at this point. I mean, sometimes yeah. players make their market value by playing great. Other times, when a player is away and you see what happens when they are away, it, it almost, I mean, it almost makes the case for them with them not even being out there. Right. I mean, crazy. You yeah. go all the way back as far as the second Pittsburgh game when Duck Hodges was just standing back in the pocket just with all the time to throw. I mean, I'm I'm adamant. The Browns would have won that game had, had Garrett been out there. I don't know if you can make that statement about the the last three weeks, just the way that, in general, the team had been. But, man. Yeah. Generally, I think when, when, uh, when you're a coach who's on the hot seat, when you end the season, you want to see the team is fighting for you. They're not doing that. No. So it would be, you know... They were up for it for a half against Baltimore. But other than that, it's... Well, it would, it's and, and and once Freddie made his ridiculously idiotic decisions uh, at the end of that first half, uh, I think the team, especially for that game, completely uh, fell off the bandwagon for him. But uh, you can't... Oh, you saw it on the sideline after he oh, decided gosh. to go for two when down by nine. Oh. When Odell Beckham, or, or was it Jarvis Landry? I think it was, it was Beckham, Odell. Who, who basically just gave him the business about his lack of knowledge of basic math. Jarvis was yeah. in Arizona. Yeah. But anyway, uh, as I was saying, when you, when, when a coach is on a hot seat and the players uh, want like the coach and want to keep him, usually you'll see them fight harder for him. You know, whether they win or not is, you know, regardless, but you'll at least see them fight. For their head coach, that didn't happen for the Browns. Uh, they lost their last three games. They looked pretty pathetic in all of them doing it. Um, 
So it would be incredibly idiotic for this management team and this ownership group to bring everything back the way it was because there's obviously a disconnect between the team, the coaches, the players. Something's got to go. And to me, the biggest culprit of everything unsuccessful about this season was not it wasn't even just Freddie Kitchens, the entire coaching staff. Like you talked about with the with the point totals we had given up in the last three weeks. Steve Wilkes is not doing his job. No. Whether Miles Garrett is playing or not, you should be able to scheme up a defense that doesn't give up thirty three points in the final game to a one in fourteen football team. Shouldn't give up thirty eight points and over two hundred and fifty yards on the ground in the Arizona team that had yes, one in seven. Absolutely. Weeks. Baltimore is Baltimore. You know, I'm not going to get on them for giving up 30 points to Baltimore. Everybody gives up 30 points to Baltimore. But those two games, and especially the Arizona game, because you still had somewhat of a realistic chance of making some noise. And, and as as we see coming down to Week 17, the sixth seed in the AFC more than likely could have eight wins. Yeah. If, uh, nine, at the, the you know, nine at the scenario most. scenario that... Pittsburgh and Tennessee were to both get beat today. Yeah, and it, it is possible. I don't think it's gonna happen, but no, I don't think so either. But I'm saying like, but nine we, wins, even nine wins. I mean, if you would have said nine wins get you there, and oh by the way, the Browns are gonna lose all four games against the NFC, so really they would win any tiebreaker scenario. Yeah, right. Yeah, like I'm saying, if, if you were six and seven going into that Arizona game, you win that game, you're seven and seven. Even if you lose the ball in the morning, you fall to seven and eight. Then this Bengals game becomes much more. Uh, meaningful, and you know, maybe you don't give up 33 points to Andy freaking Dalton and and uh, the one in 14 Bengals. Maybe you win that game, you go to eight and eight, and then there's some weird four four team eight and eight tiebreaker going on in which the Browns would ultimately win every single tiebreaker because of their record in the conference. You know, as I've said, when the Browns were six and seven three weeks ago, you still had the schedule argument on your side. The only bad defeat they had had all year was against Denver. Right. They had beaten Buffalo. They had beaten Baltimore. They they had beaten some good teams, and only had one really one bad defeat. And and some of the other games, you know, L.A. Rams, Seattle, good teams they had played against, and you know, had, right. had one play gone one way or the other, they could have won one of those games. Right. But but anyway, you lost the schedule argument in the last three weeks because you right. lost badly at Arizona, and then you completely obliterated it by losing to Cincinnati. Like, it's terrible. Yeah. Really, really bad. And uh, the turnovers continue for Baker Mayfield today. He made he made at least a handful of really good throws today. I, I thought he, he looked good in, in uh, some aspects uh, of the game, but turned the ball over three times again. See, I'm... Of the I, parts of the game I saw today, I thought he looked really good, I, honestly. He made, he made some really from, good plays, um, particularly that fourth and 23 throw to Beckham in the yep. end zone. That was incredible. Unbelievable catch, too. Um, and I do know that on his second interception, the one where he was throwing deep, uh, I believe the receiver cut the route off at, at the wrong moment, and it just looked a lot worse than it really was. Yeah, so uh, before Baker, before people jump down Baker's throat for three interceptions again, I, I mean, what, what, do you want to, what do you want him to do? I mean, again, Nick Chubb, 13 carries. Kareem Hunt, Three carries. I mean, come on. Come on. It's worth noting that a lot of Baker's interceptions this season have been in situations where the Browns have been behind late and they've been trying to come back. Yeah. Uh, that was the case on the, the final interception when they were trying when they were down ten with like under a minute left. 
And then the other play that I just mentioned, it was a third and 16. That was one of those, eh, let's throw it deep and maybe you'll get lucky times of the yeah. situation. Yeah. You know, bad things happen when you get behind the, in the, on the scoreboard and bad things happen when you get behind the chains. That's, that's just football. And I'm not making excuses for him. 21 interceptions on the season is way too many. Averaging more than one interception a game is way too many. Um, but I go back, and he even talked about it, uh, talking about his footwork and how it's not where he wants it to be. I, th- to me, that's 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 coaching. That's attention to detail. Is He's not being coached to always have his feet under him and have his feet uh, pointed where he's going to throw the ball. That's why you see his passes sail up in the air. That's why you see passes go over receivers' heads and get picked off by the safety behind him. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he's being coached. And that's not just Freddie. I don't think he's being coached from a positional uh, coaching standpoint. I don't think our coordinator's doing a good enough job. <clears throat> I mean, best case scenario, and, and this is this is really damning for a head coach, is best case scenario for Freddie. I'm not saying for the Browns because I don't want Freddie Kitchens back. But best case scenario for Freddie is they say, okay, you can come back but we're replacing both of your coordinators and we're going to pick who they are. And that's a recipe for disaster. Hmm. I just don't, I, I, I don't see like, I, I'm not going to ask you this now because you've, you've fully come, come over to the fire, Freddy fire, Freddy bandwagon. But I, I just would love to see somebody try and come up with a reason why Freddie kitchens deserves to keep his job. There isn't one. Listen to the silence. Yeah, exactly. There's not one reason. There, there's not one point during the season where you can look. When, when did, when did we ever have fun after a win? Oh God! Except there was one, Baltimore. Let's see here. Yeah, not the Jets because we were highly expected to win that game. Uh, right. Baltimore, yes. Um, Buffalo. You can, you can maybe say Buffalo, but but we were so downtrodden after starting two and six that we're like. I mean, and then you had Pittsburgh. Which, Pittsburgh, which is marred you know, by the, the which would ordinarily be like, oh my God, we just beat the Steelers. Like you know, that's that's a big deal. Good afternoon and good night, Pittsburgh. And I'll admit it, I was actually very critical of all of the media response, uh, both locally and nationally. After so the was I. Everybody was was burying the Browns. Meanwhile, they then go and beat Miami, and, and I'm just saying to myself, wait a minute, we're on a three game win streak. We're yeah. five and six. What the hell are you guys talking about? The season's over. Yeah. Doesn't, that doesn't make no. Doesn't make sense. It took. I have to repent a little bit now because it took the longer term impact of Miles Garrett being out and a few other ancillary factors. Right. It caught up with us in the final two to three weeks. It it wasn't immediate. Right. 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 Um. Yeah. I just. Man, I'm honestly. I still think the Browns were not mortally wounded from that incident. They still had a chance to make it happen in the end, and they failed. Yeah, I boy. You had a very winnable game at Pittsburgh that you could you could have won. You were in that game to the bitter end. Arizona, again, better defensive effort. I mean, you scored enough points in that game to win it. Same thing today in Cincinnati. You scored enough points to be able to win the game. And the defense just did not really do much of anything. The turnovers didn't help either. But uh, yeah, just a just a total mess here at the end. And now the the attention really turns to two things. You know, one, Freddie Kitchens' status, and then if he does go, 
like you said, like the media was reporting earlier uh, yesterday, what happens? Because, again, I was fearful that they were going to do a whole wholesale, just blow it all up sort of a situation. And, and now the Browns have provided this late season collapse to the point where ownership could be justified in, in getting rid of John Dorsey and completely just, you know, maybe trading Odell Beckham, maybe um, not re-signing guys like Joe Schobert. I mean, who knows? It, right. This this is now gonna get. We're in a dark place here. This is this is not good. Yeah, I, yeah, I. I mean, I apologize for the long pauses. I just, the, the man, pain, I'm at a loss for words right now. The pain that we have in Cleveland is 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 very palpable. Um, I mean, the folks. It's funny you. you I always think of Ohio State as being the the anti Browns in, in a lot of respects, but uh, <coughs> you know. They're arguably hurting even worse today, albeit for completely different reasons. Yep. And uh, here, I just want to—I just want to go on and uh, defend a couple of our players that uh, are are. I'll go ahead and I, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this again. I think the Browns have the best fans in all of football, maybe all in all of pro sports in America, uh, just because the fact of how passionate they are and what what we've been through the last 25 years. Um, but. They have shown a, and I've tried my best to not do this, but there have been I, I've had weak moments where I've thought about it and I've thought I've gotten down on it. But our fans being fickle about guys like Baker and Odell. Listen to this uh, for after the game from Odell. Uh, Hayden Grove of Cleveland.com tweeted: Odell Beckham Jr. battled food poisoning all week said he had to get an IV after the game and was vomiting throughout the game and the course of the day. Now, for this, a meaningless game at the end of the this, season which he didn't even have Exactly. To play. Exactly. For a guy that all the all the all the media, national media mostly, but local media too saying, "Oh, he wants out. He doesn't want to be in Cleveland. He he hates Cleveland. He's not, you know, blah 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 blah." This guy has been battling a sports hernia, core muscle injury all year. That didn't hasn't missed a game. And now the week of the last game, a few days before, he missed practice all week, and he came, he traveled, and he played, even though he's battling food poisoning and was throwing up all day. What? Like, what do you, and he might have played his best game as a Brown today. He very well may have. I mean, aside from, what would you that say? That Jets maybe game. The, maybe the Jets game. When he two? had that 90-yard yeah. touchdown yeah. Uh, catch and run. But, like, get off of this guy. Let him get in the offseason. If he needs surgery for sports hernia, hernia, let him get it. Let him come back 100% healthy and see what he can do next year. For not being healthy most of the season, he had over 1,000 yards. He had, what, seven, eight touchdowns maybe? Uh, Four. Oh. Odell only had never, four. Never mind. <laughs> uh, Jarvis had six. <clears throat> but, um, just, I mean, just to go back to it, I, I got to defend the guy. I mean, what what do you want from him? Yeah, okay, he didn't put up fifteen hundred yards and you know score twelve touchdowns and I mean, but the guy the guy had a thousand yards receiving, uh, being injured all year, uh, played in every game, which everybody was saying like, oh, he's injury prone. Well, he doesn't, he, you know, he doesn't he doesn't the last three years he hasn't made it through a full season. Well, guess what? He made it through a full season this year. And then Jarvis Landry. I mean, talk about talk about what a warrior that guy is. He he was awesome all year. 
And then you, we don't even have to get into Nick Chubb. I mean, obviously none of the fans attacked Nick Chubb this year, but uh, he was awesome this year. And then Baker. Yeah, Baker wasn't great this year. But I'd be hard-pressed to find a quarterback that had worse coaching this year than Baker Mayfield. I'd love you to find me the the, um, the situation in where a quarterback came into the season with less support as from a coaching standpoint than Baker Mayfield. I mean, you have to look at some of the other really bad teams in the league, too. Guys like Andy Dalton and maybe Phillip Rivers in Los Angeles. Right. As, as bad as the Chargers have been this year. Um, but here's my point. <clears throat> Everybody wants to jump down Baker's throat for things he says and tweets he tweets and and him being a little curt with the media and blah, 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 blah. You know, whatever. That's fine. You want to get on him for that. But this guy is for more than likely is going to be going into his third NFL season with his fourth head coach, with his fourth offensive coordinator. It's almost comical. With his with his third, I think third going to be third quarterback coach. There's just no continuity here. Right. It's not just the head coach; it's the coordinators too. That you you look at the truly strong organizations in the NFL. The Patriots, the Ravens, yeah. the Steelers, the Seahawks, the the Packers, you know, the teams like that. You know, they might blow it up maybe once every ten years or so. Other than that, they they've got continuity the whole stinking time. You know, if if they have coordinators turn over, it's usually because their coordinators are getting pulled for head coaching vacancies. Yeah, you know, it's and I, it's not hard. You know, and right. that's part of the reason why I was so. On the you know keep Freddie bandwagon for so long until right. he just you know made it impossible. Yeah, he yeah he he dug his own grave. But with all this, it's not it's not the it's not the changing of the coaches all the time. It's the fact that the guys at the top of this organization can never ever get it right, and they got to get it right this time. Never get it They've right. Oh, they have right to this time because you especially especially on the offensive side, Baker Mayfield, Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, all the guys you have, you still have the potential to turn this into something really great. Yeah. And they got to get this one right, period. Yeah, if, you if, cannot if you get it wrong. If you don't, or, or if they just decide to blow it up in terms of a roster, then, well... You will fully ruin Baker Mayfield if you screw up this, this, this coaching thing. And I think that includes... If they do the unthinkable and keep Freddie Kitchens another year. Hmm. Might as well trade him. If you either do that or you hire a guy who who isn't right this time around, you will ruin Baker Mayfield. You, you, no player, no quarterback, no, no nobody can go through that much change and that much unsuccessful um, change and still thrive and succeed in the NFL. It just, it just won't happen. You know, people don't like Baker's attitude. I think a lot of it also is jealousy. The guy is a starting quarterback in the NFL, and he's pretty good. And he's got, like, so many commercials thanks to Progressive, which, by the way, Stephen A. Smith named him the number four most annoying person in all because sports. Of it. Yeah. Because he's getting all these commercials. He said yep. he has almost as many as LeBron James. Don't hate the player. Right. Well, I mean, that stuff does get annoying when the player doesn't perform. Because it's like, well, what... what it was well, necessarily him. You know? Yeah, okay. He's having trouble returning the ball over. 
I will. That's what I mean. That. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like well, he's like, yeah. But the, back to my point, he's not getting help. No, he's not. Tom Brady, yeah, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. But he was paired with the greatest NFL coach of all time. Aaron Rodgers had the same head coach for like twelve years. Won a Super Bowl with him. Yeah. Was in the playoffs virtually every year. And what happens? They fire Mike McCarthy and they bring in Matt Lafleur and they win thirteen games. Yeah. You know the Packers were not down for very long, and Matt Lafleur is probably going to be there for you know the next. This this team. This ownership group, and I know this is revisionist history, and I'm going back a couple years, but I don't care because I'm sticking with Baker Mayfield. I'm sticking with this kid, and it's not his fault that he struggled this year. This organization, this ownership group, had a head coach that went 1-15 and 0-16, drafted Baker Mayfield, and threw him to the to worst head coach in the NFL in NFL history. If you're going to start over at the most important position on the field at quarter at quarterback, why on God's green earth would you bring back a coach that was 1 in 31 in his previous 2 years with your organization? That made absolutely that no sense. That started everything. That made no sense. Started everything. And then we were on hard knocks, which that, that has nothing to do with anything, but we saw the stupid idiotic uh scene in hard knocks where he calls Drew Stanton and Baker Mayfield uh, into his office, and he goes, hey, Baker, I just wanted to let you know that you won the backup job. Well, no crap. He's the number one pick in the draft. What are you going to have, make him be third string? God. Put him on the practice squad? <laughs> <coughs> well, that's... So, so, so you have the number one pick in the draft, and it's a quarterback. If it would have been a left tackle, it, this, wouldn't, this wouldn't be a discussion. But it's a quarterback that you drafted number one overall. And you had him start his NFL career with a lame duck coach that you fired halfway into the season because you guys put an offensive coordinator with him that they didn't get along from day one, and it blew up in your face. That's and our then, lives as Browns fans, folks. And then you have you have an interim head coach who goes 5-3. and three, You let him go, which I'm not totally against because I think Greg Williams is an idiot. But... He did go five and three as interim coach, but a lot of that had to do with Freddie Kitchens, who I think was in his groove as far as a uh, coach's standpoint, being offensive coordinator. This guy cannot be a head coach. He cannot be a CEO of an organization. But as an offensive coordinator, he was pretty damn good last year. The problem was is the Browns uh, fell in love with that aspect of Freddie Kitchens and didn't want him to leave the organization. But they knew that they couldn't get a respected head coach to come in here and keep uh, Freddie Kitchens without bringing in his own guy. What what respectable head coach would take a job somewhere where the organization's like, oh, you got a guy that you want for offensive coordinator? Ah, uh, don't worry about that. We got a guy for you. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. So... The Browns had no choice. They, they they made the decision that we're not letting Freddie Kitchens leave the organization. So what they have to do? In order to do that, they had to promote him to head coach. Now at the time, I was for that for that uh, decision because I thought he had a good enough uh, relationship with Baker and uh, I thought that they could work well together. The problem is, is... The Browns then brought in an offensive coordinator who had never coached with Freddie Kitchens before in Todd Munkin, and then it all got jacked up. 
and I can't remember which game it was. I think it was, yeah, it was the Denver game when we fell to two and five. Seven games. We weren't even halfway into the season, and I came on this post-game show, and I said, Freddie Kitchens is done. There's nothing he can do to get it back. He's done. Can't do it. He's done. And it turned out to be that way because I'm just going to go ahead and say it. They're, they're going to fire Freddie. If they don't fire Freddie Kitchens, oh, my God. I'm going to lose my damn mind. I'm also, again, losing my voice. We are on Fire Freddy Watch, of course. It's yep. just after 5 p.m. on this uh, Sunday afternoon. The games in the 4 o'clock window, the games that really matter today, are now taking place, of which um, the fact is that we, the orange and brown, we don't matter. That's you know the whole crux of this podcast. It's been the whole crux of this podcast for much of the season, certainly for the almost the entirety of this month. And you know it's just uh, it's a hard knock life as a Browns fan. It just uh, it just is. Um, one thing I did want to ask you, Dan, is uh, say the Browns had not fired, had not gotten rid of Greg Williams. If they would have brought him back as head coach, how many wins would they have had this year? Because you were okay. You know, you mentioned earlier you were in favor of the moves that they made to bring, make Freddie Kitchens the head coach. Yeah. I was not in favor of that move. I was very unhappy when they let Greg Williams leave. I mean, it wouldn't have been a bad decision. Uh, I'm not a big Greg Williams guy, but he did go 5-3 and three in eight games as Browns interim head coach. Um, how many games would they win with Greg Williams? I'm trying to go through... I'm not getting extravagant <clears throat> with it. I'm gonna say they would have gone 500. Well, I'm just trying to go through. I'm just trying to go through games that happened the way they did last year with Freddie, and think, okay, would the outcome of this game be different if Greg Williams was head coach? Um, I will say Seattle. I think we win the Seattle game. Yep. Uh, boy. I think we beat Pittsburgh again because I don't think that that situation with Miles Garrett happens because I believe that the Miles Garrett incident in the first Steelers game is a look into Freddie Kitchens, as they say in college when they give uh, schools stiff penalties, lack of institutional control. Yeah. Um, I don't think Freddie Kitchens uh, had any sort of uh, discipline of his football team, and that would be the first thing that Greg Williams would have. So I actually think that we probably would, um, we would have won that second Steelers game too. I think if we would have had Miles Garrett on the field, and that opens the possibility that they would have won some games down the stretch here too, probably. Yeah. No. So minimum eight wins and maybe nine or ten. It's possible. See, the thing with me is, I don't think Greg Williams is a long-term solution as a coach because I think his act wears thin on players nowadays uh, pretty quickly. So I think so I think yeah maybe we would have won nine ten games this year but I think we, it would have fallen off maybe pretty quickly. we would have been good this year but the long term play yeah. would, wouldn't have been as good yeah um, I don't think I don't think players these days uh, really put up with the act that he has um, you know it's another thing we saw in hard knocks we saw a lot of Greg Williams in hard knocks and I just I, I don't think I don't think players like over over long term uh, respond to his way of coaching that now, was a, 
That was always your problem with him, that the yeah. players just didn't respect him. Right. As a head coach, yeah. as a defensive coordinator, he's fine. But as a head coach, I, I just don't see it. But that's a good question. I mean, there's no doubt they would have been better yeah. this year. Yeah, but you could put anybody in that, in that coach's seat pretty much. And, sure, you know, except for Hugh. Other than Hugh Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so – um, do you want to go around the league right now, see what's going on and uh, potential playoff implications? I know we had some some big results in the one o'clock games today. Absolutely. Um, again, I'll, I'll we, keep a I'll keep an eye on uh, again, Twitter to weeks, see if anything breaks. Again, week seventeen is kind of an odd week, just in terms of you know some teams the games really matter a lot. Some teams it just doesn't matter. A lot of the one o'clock games were inconsequential, but we did have one that was of really big interest. We go down the league here, so. Saints 42, Panthers 10. That was probably the most easy result to call. The Panthers have been tanking for a while now. Saints win. They finish 13-3. and three. They're now waiting on a few other results to see what their seeding is. They're currently third in the NFC. Uh, the Falcons defeated the Buccaneers in overtime 28-22. to 22. This is interesting because Dan Quinn is actually going to be retained by the Falcons. They had a very good second half of the season yep. to finish. Dan Quinn and, and uh, their GM, Thomas Dimitrov. Yeah, it looked like they were going to completely blow it up. Who's as strong as an Ohio native, by the way. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Um, so Falcons and Bucks both finished 7-9. and nine. Uh, The Bears defeated the Vikings 21-19. to The Vikings were locked into the sixth seed in the NFC, so that game didn't really matter much to them. The Bears, I believe, finished 500 with that victory. Uh, the Chiefs defeated the Chargers 31-21. to That ended up being a very consequential win for the Chiefs as they actually move up to the second seed in the AFC because Miami defeated New England in Foxborough 27-24. to Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing a touchdown pass with 24 seconds remaining to win that game. Unreal. Absolutely unreal. I, that is awesome. And again, Miami... For you know, it usually happens in Miami, not in Foxborough. But for whatever reason, New England, they have trouble with Miami, and Miami has been that you know this is like that Mario Kart race. You're on the final lap, you're right in front of the finish line, and right. you hit the banana peel right before the line, <laughs> and the guy passes you on the finish. That's exactly what happened to the Patriots today, and I'm loving it. I'm sure just about everybody outside of uh, wait, you said the Patriots lost? Yeah. Oh! <laughs> Yep. Uh, the other. Oh yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! The Patriots have to play next week in the wild card round. Yep. Now I now I really hope that the Steelers don't get into the playoffs because oh so they play each other in round one New England <laughs> against Pittsburgh oh <laughs> at least I'll pretty much be convinced that neither of those two teams whoever wins that game will be will be able to go through the gauntlet and win the Super Bowl well I will get you an update on that situation here in a second the other consequential result of the one o'clock window. The Lions had a big lead on Green Bay for much of the afternoon, but in typical Lions fashion, they gagged it away yep. as Aaron Rodgers brings the Packers back and they win it on a field goal at the buzzer, 23-20. to So Green Bay is no worse than the two seed. They will have a bye in the NFC playoffs. They will now be waiting to see the result of the 
Seahawks 49ers game tonight to see if they're going to move up to the first seed. <laughs> By the way, you you read the uh, the Falcons and uh, Tampa Bay score, right? Yes. Do you know how that game ended? Well, a touchdown in overtime. Jameis Winston threw a pick six, a walk off pick oh! six. <laughs> <laughs> the guy, the guy that's thrown like 180 interceptions. You want a guy that's thrown a lot more picks than Baker. There, yeah. there you go. <laughs> a pick six. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um, so now getting into the four o'clock games, these are these are all games that really matter in terms of playoff seating, and we'll just start right with the the one of biggest interest. The Titans currently lead the Texans fourteen to seven. Heck yeah! If the Titans win that game, they will be the sixth seed in the AFC, and you will be able to. You might as well cue it up right now. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, Pittsburgh will be going. Home. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh will need the Titans to lose that game. They'll also need to beat the Ravens in Baltimore. Currently, the Steelers are leading that game seven to six. Uh, that's early second quarter. Most of these are the early to middle second quarter scores. Uh, Colts lead the Jaguars 10-6. to I don't know if Indianapolis can backdoor their way to the playoffs if all the other teams lose. Maybe they can. Yeah, I don't know can't. that. Uh, the Raiders, I know, can conceivably if Pittsburgh and Tennessee were to yeah. both get beat. <laughs> if like every team They're, every team possible to finish 8-8 eight and eight does finish 8-8, eight and eight, yeah, the, then the Raiders will get in. The Raiders are tied with the Broncos 3-3 three to three at the moment. Uh, the Rams are playing the Cardinals. The Rams are leading 10-7. to 7. I don't think that game means anything. Mm. Uh, and then you got the situation in the NFC East where the Eagles need a victory to lock up the division title. They're currently leading the Giants 3 to nothing. And then the Cowboys are waiting to see if the Eagles um, screw it up today. That would give Dallas a chance to backdoor their way to the division title. They're currently leading the Redskins 6 to nothing. So a lot going on still uh, to be figured out here, uh, especially on the NFC side with regard to who's in, who's out, and the seedings. Uh, later tonight, the 49ers playing at the Seahawks. That game is for the NFC West title. Mm. Uh, if the 49ers win that game, they'll be the top seed. If they lose, they will be the fifth seed, and Seattle will Such a big swing in the NFC, man. to third. That's what happens when you have so many good teams at the top. Can you imagine? Neither if Seattle wins tonight. Neither team in the NFC West gets a bye. Right. That's Crazy. amazing. Crazy. So, and it is going. It is going to be a gauntlet on the NFC side for sure. Uh, even uh, again, the Patriots losing today. What a difference does that make for the AFC picture? Because now, Baltimore and Kansas City are going to have the buys. Boy, if if you're a fan of the Patriots, and well. I hate you, first of all, if you are. But if, if you're a fan of the Patriots, I don't see how you're telling yourself that you're going to go to Kansas City and Baltimore and win. Um, I don't see how anybody in, in the lower AFC field is going to do that, to be honest. So Yeah. You know, Kansas City definitely is the big winner of the day so far because now they're getting a bye, and they've already beaten Baltimore once this year. Granted, that was in Kansas City. They'd have to go to Baltimore the second time. Uh, presuming the Ravens don't get beat by either the Texans or the Bills, which I think is not as far-fetched as people would seem, but mm -hmm. is still unlikely. Jameis Winston threw uh, 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions this year. No, he's a 30-30 guy. Exactly. You know? it's, like, <laughs> it's like in baseball. You have 30 home runs and 30 <laughs> stolen bases, you know? Um 
Yeah, so far still the only thing that uh, the only thing that I've seen so far on uh, Twitter as far as Freddie Kitchens goes is in his post game press conference he said that uh, he hasn't heard anything one way or another from the Haslam's on his status. Uh, to me, that tells you about all you need to know. You know, it's another all you need to know stat. You know, how we were saying for most of the season, Miami Dolphins looked like the worst team in football. Yeah, they finished a game behind the Browns in the standings. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I'd give a rat's ass about Twitter. Oh. <laughs> uh... Anyway, uh, yeah, so that's around the league with uh, with Steven. Appreciate that. And uh, let's hope for uh, Steelers' loss. Well, or or Tennessee win. I would say that latter one is more likely. Yeah. I would think so, too. But, yeah. So, anyway, like I said, we haven't, heard, we haven't seen anything on Twitter yet. My, uh, my guess is we're not going to hear anything until Monday morning, which is uh, – widely known as Black Monday in the NFL, which is the last which is the first Monday after the regular season ends, which is where when you see most of the coaching firings. Um so yeah, uh to put a little bow on this on uh our post game shows for this season. It was fun to do this, Steve. I really had a good time. I enjoyed it for sure. You know, the circumstances were not what we had hoped for much of the time. Uh, particularly in this final month, but, even even uh, even with a lot of the wins, you know, we we said we were going to be here, win, lose, or tie, yeah. and uh, we did. It's it's been it's been great, honestly, yeah. and uh, my hope is that come 2020, I wish we were doing season, another show next week. We'd, I want to talk about the playoffs, man. No, I talk about the playoffs, no, like <laughs> no, we can do that on the regular episodes of LOTL. Mm. But, uh, yeah, anyway, so we appreciate you guys listening all throughout the year. Um, we're hoping to be back next year, hopefully with a uh, renewed sense of hope, which we're Browns fans. We always do. We could be on the verge of an 0-16 season like we were three years ago, and, you know, we would always be hopeful in training camp. Just wait for August. Let's wait for Kool-Aid season. You know? That's right. That's right. So uh, Can't hopefully. be much worse than what we've had. Let's just no. put it that way. Let's hope Baker gets back in the lab. Let's hope he uh, gets himself uh, rededicated to uh, you know being better as a quarterback. Uh, let's hope that the Browns finally get this right. You know, you know, for 25 years, ever since they've been back, the lingering question has always been: When are they going to get the coach correct? When are they going to get the quarterback correct? I think they got the quarterback correct. My biggest issue is, are they going to get the coach correct in order to not completely ruin the quarterback that they picked? I feel and like I, they've and gotten I, the coach, if not correct, at least semi-correct twice since they came back. Butch Davis and Romeo Cornell. I don't think they've... And one case, I think you throw an asterisk by, and that's Rob Chudzinski. They didn't really give him much of a fair shot. Yeah. But... Since then, they've really never gotten it right. No. So, like I said, uh, we will be back uh, with these post-game shows uh, starting, well, next year's in two days, but next uh, next September. So, uh, please uh, feel free to join in with uh, our normal shows, LOTL, if you don't already. 
Uh, we appreciate you guys listening there, and uh, we will catch you guys next next season. So, uh, for Steven, I'm Dan. You've been listening to the Deerfield Gridiron Browns postgame show presented by LOTL, and uh, we will be back with a new episode of LOTL this Thursday, January 2nd, and uh, so be on the lookout for that. So we will see you guys uh, next time. Next year. Bye.